Welcome to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. Our purpose is to have fun talking about small business stuff. Along the way, we're going to teach you and give you insight in terms of running a small business, the likes of which you've never seen before. And that insight will will apply to either startup companies, you got an idea, you want to start a business over it, or long established, or in between, anywhere in between. That's what we do. I'm here with my business partner, Adam Sunhalter. Hello, Adam. Hey, Jack. How you doing this week? I'm good. In fact, you know what my last name is? Mencini. Yeah? Yeah, I just forgot to say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as you haven't forgotten it yet, that's a good thing, right? That's right. Oh, yeah, we're, we're here to talk about small business stuff. Uh, dirty Secrets of Small Business is the name of the show, and there's lots of dirty secrets out there. And uh, we deal with those week in and week out when we uh, work with our business coaching clients. Uh, most of our clients are smaller companies. We define that as anywhere from 1 to 25 employees. And that's the meat of what makes up the topics of the show, but also what makes up the employers here in the U.S. Uh, most of you, you know, listening either own or work for a small company, as we define it, from 1 to 25 employees. And chances are you might have some stories or questions to go through this as well, and we always invite you to be part of the show. Uh, you can do that by reaching out to us. We're here live in the studio every Monday from noon to 1 Eastern. The number here in the studio is 440-946-9468. That's 440-946-WINT. If you don't like talking on air or prefer to do it by email, you can do that at radio at MaximumVP.com. And we also have a little spot on our website at MaximumVP.com forward slash how. You can put in a question there that you'd like to kind of get right on the air because we focus on a lot of the how questions, Jack. You know what those are? Yeah, those how questions that endlessly come up in a small business world or a wannabe small business owner's world. How how do I do? How do I create a profit plan? How do I make more money? How do I hire the employees that uh, are going to be the the ones who stay and make my company prosper with me? How how how? Yeah, I know those how questions. That's what we deal with. We deal with them so well that uh, we feature that that just that word how questions, and we invite you to bring in your how questions to us to see if we can answer them because we love to do that stuff. That's right. So. We have one of those for you today that we're going we're gonna to delve into, and it's one that, that, that comes up quite a bit. Um, you know, people ask about it, but they aren't quite sure how to approach it typically. And that is, how do I, how do I buy a business? How do I buy a business? What, like, uh, why don't I just buy stock on the New York Stock Exchange? Can I buy a business that way? Uh, you can buy some ownership in a business that way, a very, very small percentage of ownership. But what we're talking about here is more about how do you purchase the whole thing? So buying one of those companies in the stock market takes a lot of money, usually billions of dollars to buy one of those. Um, we're talking more about the hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to be looking to buy companies. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. There's probably, what, 25 million small businesses arguably out there? Sure. And a lot of them are very small, and a lot of those companies can be bought surprisingly at them with little or no money down. That's right. So that's one of the things we'll talk about today. We will. We will. And we'll go through a what I like to call um, the not-to-do list, you know, which could be almost as important as the to-do list. But uh, if you focus on the not-to-do list and, and you avoid doing those things, that could be a good thing as well. And looking at it from the standpoint, as Jack was opening up here, talking about how we like to focus on folks that are, have either been around for a while or are thinking about starting. 
So we can touch on both of those. If you're thinking about starting, as opposed to starting from scratch, you may start looking for a company to buy mm. as opposed to going from scratch. Or if you own a current company, uh, there's great ways to be able to expand or add new products or services or try to grow in a different, different way by looking to go buy another company. So many people, small business owners being those people, think that, it, that it's difficult to buy a company. But if you as a small business owner have your act together, meaning your, your, your company basically uh, knows if it's profitable, understands cash flow, has enough business savvy, it's quite easy to go out and increase your sales through acquisition of a small competitor, or you might want to diversify your business into a different direction. As long as you know the fundamentals of running a business, buying a little company, especially if it's in trouble, uh, makes great sense. And if it isn't in trouble, that's okay too. You just pay a little more for it and the investment is altogether different than buying a troubled company. But uh, the opportunities abound by, uh, for, for small business owners to buy another small business. Yeah, we've had lots of experience with it. We've coached a lot of clients, uh, whether it be folks who are looking to get out of a job and go have their own company, or whether it be companies that already exist and they're folks looking to, to kind of grow that. Uh, Jack also has personally bought, fixed up, and sold five companies himself. So I'm sure as we go through our, our, uh, our show today, we'll touch on a lot of those different uh, aspects, Jack, in terms of how to kind of go about buying a company. That's right. That's so, right. So let me just kick this off in terms of why people may not may not delve too deeply into this. Yeah, I, I think what our experience shows is most people aren't even sure where to start. You know, the idea of, well, if, if I wanted to go buy a company, like many things, it's, you know, if you get that first step down, usually you can start to kind of make progress. But most people might, you know, we have found, get stuck on, well, you know, where do I go? How do I start to look for a company? Or they're just waiting for it to kind of drop into their lap, so to speak. Maybe it's at a at a, uh, a family function, also all of a sudden the, the, the discussion comes up about somebody's company is for sale or a friend that happens or, you know, whatever. You, you, you may stumble across it. And I guess those things might happen. But, again, if you want to be a little more active about it and really trying to go out and find something, I think most folks aren't sure even where to kind of start that whole process. Oh, you, you mentioned before a startup versus an established company. Worlds of difference. And uh, the biggest is that you have a history with a, a company that's been around a while. That's either good or bad history. It factors into the price you'll ultimately pay for it. But it's much easier to deal with a company that has history, especially when it comes to projecting sales and revenue, you know, versus a startup. It's all speculation on a startup. Everything. Everything is speculative. It's much more daunting, yet... Most people seem to direct their activities towards that, and we understand why, uh, because that's, that's how they're generally advised. That's how people are, are generally advised, being one of the great myths of, of business. We do touch on myths and debunk them from time to time. But uh, yes, big difference between uh, an established company versus a startup. Yeah, one of the, the things you have history on, to your point, Jack, is you, you have history of somebody or somebody's actually paying for the product or services that that current company offers. When you're starting from scratch, you may have ideas of competitors who are doing it, but you haven't sold dollar one yet. And so selling that first dollar, if you be able to sell that product or service for the first time is a big deal. And so having that history of being able to analyze it and look at it, that's where, you know, again, assuming somebody finds a company, you know, that's a, that's a whole different path, too, that we'll touch on here probably at some point right. today, Jack, in terms of 
how do you go about analyzing stuff? But again, the idea of trying to grow again. You know, if, so if you have your own company and you're trying to grow, well, you can add one customer at a time. You can add maybe new products or services again from scratch, or you can look at buying a company and you add a bunch of customers at once. You, you, know, you add a whole new product or service that already has customers with it. You aren't starting those things from scratch as well. So th there's ways to really kind of, I guess, kind of supercharge your growth. And we've got a lot of clients, again, who have gone through the process of doing that. Um, again, of, of buying companies and then starting to kind of grow them. Just a basic question, you know. Why wouldn't you want to buy an existing company, a small one, rather than go chase new sales one by one? Right. Why wouldn't you want to jumpstart it, Adam, <clears throat> if your intention with your business today is to grow your business? Well, here, so let's, let's start with, you well, know, which path do you want to go down first? We can kind of bounce back and forth. For the folks who are trying to get into business for the first time, or should we go down the path of folks who already have a company? Because they're, they're kind of two distinct paths here, I guess. Which yeah, one? let's go with owning your own company okay. and doing so, that. Uh, so let's start there. All right, so we've got lots of examples of this, Jack, and we've got a couple of clients who are this way too. If you're thinking about you know, getting your own thing, why not first consider buying the company that you work for? Hey, wait a minute. Let me think of that. Well, I already own it. No, no, no. So to, to, to get a company for the first time. We're going on different paths here? We are, okay. but no, I understand it. All right. Thank so you. We're going, down the path, <laughs> going on the path for, okay, so I, I don't yet have a company, but, but I want to get a company. Maybe I'm thinking about doing a startup. We're suggesting maybe you go, you go and buy a company, all right? I'm saying if you're looking to, to, to start something up or to buy something, why not start with the company you currently work for? Because the owner's probably a crotchety old man, right? Perfect. He won't sell it. <laughs> Perfect. I'm afraid to go ask him for it. That's right. I can't talk oh. to the boss because the or boss... Or it might be his wife. She's a crotchety old woman, <laughs> whoever it might be. Well, the, <laughs> boss, the, the boss knows about me, and, and, and the boss knows how much money I make and everything else. I probably can't, I probably can't afford it, Jack. I probably can't afford to buy the company that I work for. We've heard that one before, right? haven't we? There's all kinds of different uh, excuses or, or ideas about doing it, but th let's start there. Because chances are, if you've been there for a while, we've got a couple of our clients who are very, very successful that did exactly that. Okay, And they're both in their early 30s when this happened. They made these purchases happen. That's right. So I don't care how, right. how old or young you are, but they, they, and they both worked there for, for, for one for a couple of years and one for, for, for almost a couple of decades of being there. And they have a sense of what's going on. You know all the good, the bads, and the uglies of what's kind of going on. But there's a, you know, there are deals that can be done with the company that you currently work for. That's right. No, I agree with you, Adam. Not I understand what you're talking about. That's right. We'll be yeah, on the same page. I got it now. I got it. We'll get on the same page <laughs> first, then we'll get, we'll get the rest of the audience on the same page, Jack. So why don't we, we'll, why don't we jump into the break here real quick, and we'll come back, and we'll, we'll delve a little further into what sounds, do I do to get a, to get a company good. for the first sounds time. Sounds good. So we'll talk about that. Again, I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners. We're business coaches, MVP, Maximum Value Partners. We help owners of small companies get unstuck from a state of how. Stay tuned for more Dirty Secrets of Small Business on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online at wintradio.com. Welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners, MVP. We're business coaches, and we help owners of small companies get unstuck from the state of how that they're in. And we know we know you small business owners are stuck in some place in the state of how. Give us a call. 
we can probably help you out. That's right. We're talking today about a topic of how do I buy buy a business, and we're focusing on two two distinct markets. The folks who are looking to get a business for the first time might be thinking about starting a company. We're kind of putting that thought in your mind of maybe looking to buy a company instead of starting a company from scratch. And the second one's being the folks who already have a company. As far as looking for ways to expand or grow or add new products or services, to look at making a purchase of another company as opposed to starting those from scratch or adding just one customer at a time. What's easier, scratch Which, or owning a company or buying a company that already exists? If you buy it right, Jack, it's got to be one that exists because you're already starting from something that, that's there. Yeah, I, I, I think, and we're both seasoned veterans in that subject of buying companies, but there's no question, not even close. An existing company is much, much easier to to, uh, uh, to do than starting up a company from scratch. But so yet, why do so many people, well, I guess that's how it has to evolve, right? <laughs> they got to start with an idea and do something with it. But it is just so hard, you know, and there are companies that are for sale. You just got to put a system in place, which we teach clients how to do that, and systematically and methodically go about turning over rocks, making offers, and by God, all of a sudden you have a company that fits your financial and capability profile. That's right. And, uh, and one of the things we talked about before we came to break uh, was we talked about the idea, if you're looking to get your own company, to start with looking at the company that you currently work for as a potential one to purchase. And again, a lot of folks think that they, that they can't make that happen. And in fact, when we're counseling owners of companies who are looking to, to, to work on a transition plan, one of the first questions we ask them is, well, hey, is there anybody in the company right now that could buy it? And, and, and most, most are astonished, and most say, no, no, nobody could. But that's very untrue, depending on how many employees you have and how long they've been around. And, but yes, uh, that's, that's an obvious first step, which is rarely taken. So you mentioned earlier, Jack, about how we get into myths a lot of times and like we like to debunk those myths. And I think maybe a reason why on both sides of the equation there, whether it be the, 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 the employee looking at maybe trying to think about buying the company that, that, that he or she works for or the owner looking to perhaps sell to that employee, I, I think one of the myths is, well, they don't have enough money, mm. right? Which is, again, it, it seems like they're thinking, hey, somebody's going to come with a big pile of cash and drop it on my desk here to be able to I buy the I think that's how out. they visualize it. They visualize it because they've rarely, if ever, thought hard and talked to somebody who had knowledge about how to sell their company. Right. They just don't know. You know, you can only do so much. You can do what you know how to do, right? Well, we've got a couple of clients that have had, have had great success with that in terms of going and, and, and buying it from the current owner. And, and they structure it in a way that where the, the owner becomes the bank to a certain extent. Because often, the, you know, what's often the case is that the uh, the employee doesn't have enough credit history, maybe hasn't have enough savings built up, whatever it might be, to go to an outside bank. But the current owner can play the bank. That's or, right. That's that's a good way to look at it too. You are the bank. So if if all of a sudden the bank and the issues with bank has is taken out of the the, uh, the the deal, it can we it can really start to take off. You know, I wonder if there's anyone out there in our listening audience who might be trying to sell their company or transition it, Adam. What do you think? Might be, yeah. Why don't you give us a call? 440-946-9468. Again, 440-946-9468.
I'm sure there's certainly lots of folks that are thinking about it. Again, uh, on both ends there, Jack. We're we could, yeah, we could get them started it. thinking the right way because money should not be the issue, really, for selling your company. I mean, it, it depends certainly on who you're talking to. It, it, it is with certain individuals, but, but for the most part, you can structure a deal and money won't be the issue and it will be satisfactory to both parties. That's right. That can be done. So one of the things that we always talk about, we, we, we've advised a lot of people how to, how to both buy as well as sell companies. There's, there's two parts or two major components to, to, to the sale of a company. You have price, which most people focus on, which is the price of it. But there's also the terms. And both of those are equally important. Okay? So the terms being, you know, we, we're, we're referring here a couple minutes ago, the idea would be, look, I'd like to get a big pile of cash today. Okay, that means I want my price, and I want it all, all right now. So I'm going to give you a price, Adam, of uh, $100 million for your company, but, but, and that's the price, the term, but I'd like this term. I don't want to pay anything until 100 years from now. <laughs> Is that going to work for you, or do we got to start to squeeze those two down into something <laughs> so I gotta, else? we got to match those two up, right? And the way, the way most deals are done with a private company, to get anywhere near the price that the seller thinks makes sense, is there's got to be some sort of terms where there's going to be maybe some money up front and then it's going to be paid over time. And again, we, we use that term with the idea of being the bank. What that means is that you know you as the owner right now, or, or who would be the seller, you'd be getting a monthly payment for your business while you step away. That, sound, that sounds pretty good, like leasing a car. Sure, huh? and from a bank standpoint, you know the bank doesn't really know that creditor too well. Now, if this employee has worked for you for a while, you know that creditor pretty darn well. You know, they've been with you for six, eight, ten years. You, you know how they work. You, you know them very, very well. Okay, And so the, the risk there is minimized tremendously because you have a good sense of who they are, which is where, you know, where, where one of the, the challenges comes from having somebody from the outside to be able to, you know, to have you play the bank for. It becomes a, more, a little bit more difficult. You don't know them as well. So you get, you get some cash down, don't you? Depends, Jack. Yeah, and what does it depend on? Depends. Depends on what's available, <laughs> and how how desirous the seller is on getting out. And if you can match the price, then the, the terms usually become a little more flexible if the price can be hit. And again, it depends what situation that the owners are in. We, we, there, there are many owners that are out there that are in financially are, are in pretty decent shape, so they don't necessarily need the money today, but they don't want to give their company away. But they can take payment over time. It's not a big risk for they them. They just have to be talked to in a comfortable letter or a comfortable way and then from there put thoughts in their head and from there they can talk to their attorney because we, we don't want to talk to attorneys and CPAs right away because they're geared and paid to uh, usually bust deals, not make them. And, and uh, they throw up so many negatives that the oxygen gets sucked out. Of, we're, we're talking, you know, I mentioned $100 million. We don't deal in those kinds of deals. The deals we're talking about might be a million bucks. Maybe that would million, be on the high million, side. Yeah, right. Um, a couple hundred thousand, just depends. Absolutely. Right. So it's surprising how you can put a price, to Adam's point, the price on the company after negotiation and education. And all of a sudden the price is one thing and the terms are the next. And the more cash you want, usually, uh, you know, the better the terms are going to be. So, um, the better and the price, price the, the price yeah. will come down. Yeah. So, there's just lots of room for negotiation here, and and it's kind of fun to do that. It it really is. And when people get educated, uh, they can go off on a tear because you can buy a lot of companies. 
And you, you know, it's surprising what you can do when you start making offers. That's all right. So if you're if you're thinking about again, this is for folks who are thinking about getting into a business to be the business owner for the first time. First step that we would recommend you take is look at the company that you currently work for. And again, it's it's kind of like family, Jack. You, you you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. So we tend to focus on the bad and the ugly sometimes versus the good. So try to give a little fresh approach in terms of okay, if I was in charge here. How would things be different, or how how would you change things? And we had a client who did that about five, six years ago. Uh, he'd worked in, in, in you know, for several companies over over maybe a ten year period, and, and the, the most recent one he was with, uh, the owner just wasn't running things the right way. And he finally went and made the offer, made an offer to buy this guy out. And within the first three years of buying the company, he quadrupled the size of the company. Yeah, that's a, a an apparent success story, but it can happen often. Yeah. If, yeah. if you have an idea, because again, it comes to the point where he said, "Look, if the if the old owner wasn't in the way screwing things up, here's what I could do. Or I could do things differently." Because often what happens is, the, the, you know, if owners have been there for a while, at times they may get a little away from the day-to-day operations. They kind of miss things. They they miss people who aren't so good, or they they, they might miss opportunities that, that are there. They just kind of get tired. If, they, if they've been running it for 25, 30, you know, 40 years, they eventually run out of run out of steam. Tired, tired's the right right description, and they lose enthusiasm, and and that's where opportunities with new energy, new blood, new focus come to bear. So start there. That's that's a good place to start. So when we come back from the break here, we'll we'll start to kind of delve into if you're currently own a company, where do you start to look? Because the you know the, the process of looking for companies is going to be very similar whether you currently have one or you don't. Again, you know, we're looking at you know for the folks who don't have one yet. The first step would be look at the current company. But if you get beyond that, and that current company does not make sense, where do you go start to look and try Good. to figure things Good out? Good question. So we'll, we'll delve into that a little bit further as we get back here from break. So stay tuned. Uh, I'm Adam Sunhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners. We're business coaches, and we can help you. Get unstuck from a state of how. And this first how question is going to be, how can I buy a company? We're going to tell you how. That's right. All right. So stay tuned for more Dirty Secrets of Small Business on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online at com. Welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners, MVP, Most Valuable Player. We're business coaches, and we help owners of small companies get unstuck from a state of how. And today we're going to get you unstuck from a state of how do I buy a business. That's right. That's a very, very good question and one that uh, a lot of folks have and maybe have not pursued or delved into too deeply. We want to kind of get some ideas of how to kind of push it along and take those first steps. If you're thinking about that, again, whether you uh, are looking to start or buy a company for the first time or whether you have a company right now or looking to expand, give us a call here in the studio. It's 440-946-9468. Again, that's 440-946-WINT. We'd be happy to kind of hear what you're thinking about. So, Adam, I'm, I'm sitting here having coffee with a good friend of mine who has a company like mine, and he just told me he, he's got a severe illness. And what's he going to do? He said, you know, I've known you a long time. Uh, I'd like to, to sell you my company if we could work out a deal. What would you do? What would you advise there? Well, as we always advise folks, we try to cleanse the palate with one good question. Oh, it sounds like a fancy restaurant you've been to. I, I Cleansing the palate for right. the palate. <laughs> the palate. There you go. I'm not sure what a palate is. Is that I'm Jack Palance? Either. Oh, wait, Jack Palance. That's a different Jack guy. Jack Palance. Wow. 
Um, yes. Yeah, so the the question, the palate cleansing question is, <laughs> if this friend of yours gave you his company, simply gave it to you, would you take it? Boy, what a great question. Let me ponder that for a little bit. It depends, but for the most part, yeah. Why would I? Why would I not take it? I don't know. Again, it's a it's a good friend of yours. You've you've talked to him, and I guess you've probably talked business for a while. Uh, you have a sense of what's going on. You have a sense of if there are good people there, if they have good customers. I mean, just in, you know, do they make a good product or, or or deliver good service? Again, you have a sense of the business. The so, big probably the big reason is I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. That's where your advice is going to come in. Yeah. Right. You're going to say, Jack, calm down. Don't That's worry right. about we it. Start again. Slow your heart down. We start with that again if they gave it to you. Because, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, it happens, but usually if somebody gave you the company, you take it. Why wouldn't you take it? All right? I think to your point, you know, you, well, I may have some fears here or there, but if, so again, you have a chance to kind of digest that, that very simple question a little bit. Okay, a chance that you probably, you probably take it. What, it's it's one of those things that people will say it's too good to be true, so it shouldn't it 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 isn't true. In other words, nobody's going to give me their company. So what are we saying? That are we metaphorically speaking here on something, or are we? Well, it comes back to what we were discussing earlier, where where you got price and terms, and so somebody literally will give it to you for no money down today, and you pay them over time. So okay, so that's the equivalent yeah. equivalent of getting it for no money, yeah. getting it. For them, uh, it's qu- the equivalent of, of them giving it to you. Now, it's not the same as a uh, a uh, distant relative who passes away that you're not aware of, and they're trying to give literally give it to you, or will it to you? You know that could happen too. That's a little bit more unusual, but it's more typical where you've got a situation like a Jack's talking about, where you've got somebody who's just again, there is an unexpected thing like a a terminal illness like, that comes up, and they want to see what they've built go on and live beyond them and be in good hands and so the immediacy and the need of cash today usually isn't a big deal mm-hmm. but maybe it's having cash or having stuff taken care of for their heirs for their families kind of going forward and so it's it's understanding what you know what the big trigger is as far as that deal is concerned well the big lesson the lesson to take away from this is that we don't know many people who are selling their businesses we don't know the real motivation there and if we're engaging them, and that's key, that's the key operative word here, engaging them, making offers uh, for their business. We don't know what's going to really trigger their their point to either making it a fantastic deal, the equivalent of getting a company for nothing. And by nothing, we mean no money down. And also, we mean probably no guarantees. You can do those things much easier with a small business that, has issues, whatever those issues may be. So I think that's what you're saying. Here. I am, yeah. But before we get into some of those details, which are very good points in terms of how you go about making offers or buying it, well, aside from a good buddy of yours having coffee who's got a, a death sentence here, Jack, you know, where do you go find companies? Boy, that's a good question. Uh, where do you? You know, aren't they advertised somewhere? Sure. Yeah. Where are they? Well. If you have nowhere else you can think about, you have the, the, the business opportunity sections of your local newspaper usually has some stuff in it. Maybe it's only once a week in the paper. Oh, I've looked there, Adam, and all I see are bars and restaurants. That's mm. all that's there. you got to keep looking, Jack, because you're going to see them in different, different days and <laughs> times and stuff that's there. There are, there are lots of websites out there, too, you can, you can take a look at. Everything. Might, you're saying i got to be looking every day. might have to be looking for weeks, months to find uh, 
good stuff. Yeah, you should be perusing. Again, how serious are you about, about looking for something? Are you, are you serious about looking for it? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people like to do this uh, so casually and so part-time that it comes down to nothing. <laughs> but, yes, you're right. It's the, the business ops section can be a rich way to start looking for and finding businesses. What else? Yeah, what there, else there are lots of different websites out there. If you search around, you'll be able to find them pretty easily. But they have some really fancy names like Biz Buy Sell or... Hey, you can even look on things like Craigslist. There are lots of different places that, that, that companies are listed. Uh, much like you have real estate brokers, you also have business brokers, you know, folks who, who sell companies. And again, if you do a little bit, just a little bit of searching. Uh, it's not gonna, those aren't going to work, Adam. I mean, those uh, Craigslist for a company, they're a bunch of thieves on Craigslist. They aren't going to offer anything legitimate. <laughs> that true? Uh, what, what I'm doing here, is, what I no. think I'm doing here is finding <laughs> reasons not to do. Right, rather which than is, to do. Which is different than my not-to-do list I was talking about before, <laughs> which is things you shouldn't do, not finding reasons not to do the deal. Make sure we aren't too confused. I'm going back to the er, you know, a little earlier in the show here, Jack. <laughs> but there, there, there are lots of places to go look to try to find opportunities. If you like the current company that you're with, and you know, maybe that's not the right thing to buy for you, but you like that industry, you can go pull together lists of companies that exist. You know, there, there are different databases that are that that exist. Things like Dun's, you know, Dun and Bradstreet, and and uh, if you you know if, if you look online, there there are different databases you can tap into. Like go to your local library and tap into your local librarian, somebody that people no, don't talk oh, to anymore. Great resource, yeah. To ask about which databases they have, you can search around and find companies that fit the the kind of company that you think you're looking for. What we would encourage you to do is start to look and visit companies. Okay, don't. Don't do what many people are going to advise you to do, which is pull together a nice little one-page summary that talks about in bullet formats, well, gee, I want a company that does this kind of industry and has this number of employees and you know, is this much in EBITDA and all this kind of fancy stuff. Don't do that. Go look and find companies and go talk and engage with people. Go talk to people. That's right. That's key. And you can do what, what we often advise, a non-binding letter of intent as you go into companies before you get deep in analysis and spend tons of time. Um, you you want to get that off the market for you to basically study at that point if you and the buyer or you and the seller can come to some general agreement that, hey, you know, I like what you're saying, Adam. I like you. You're, you're going to... I can trust the the legacy of my company here in your hands, blah, blah, blah. It's that engagement. That's what you're talking about. That's key. Yeah, keeping keeping in mind that this is a a relatively inefficient market. It's not one where the seller is necessarily looking to maximize the sell the selling price. It's a very emotional thing. Again, often this is a an owner who has built the business and for the first time they're really thinking hard about life without you know with, without them running the company and and it going beyond and living beyond them so finding the right buyer for them is key and a part of it is that is is what they've built but part of it too is they really care about their employees they care about their customers it's a very different place versus you know you know my my early days on wall street where it was a little more um arm's length and it wasn't as emotional again it was more about the numbers and, and maximizing price there's a lot of emotion when it comes to this so being being the right kind of buyer 
is very, very key for this. And you got, depending on your situation, um, if you have a company and this acquisition is going to just sort of align your existing business, uh, that, that's one. Uh, another may be a turnaround, which I think we can talk about that in a couple of minutes here. What do you think, Adam? Sure. When we come back from break, yeah. Sure. Why don't we do that? We'll talk right. about a turnaround, how you can really buy a company without much money. We can talk about that, and we can talk about some of the things on, on my not-to-do list. And uh, we kind of hinted at a couple of these things already, which is you know making offers and not waiting too long to make an offer. Um, so we'll get into some of those things as well. Cause, you know, the, the, it's important to make sure you're, you're doing the right things. There's a lot of emotion, as I mentioned, from the seller standpoint. There's also a lot of emotion from the, the buyer standpoint, You know, starting from the standpoint of not necessarily knowing what questions to ask or what to look at or how to kind of engage somebody. You know, you know, if, you're, if you're going in to talk to somebody for the first time, what questions do you ask them? That's a big deal. I mean, people are frightened. They're, sure. they're embarrassed because they don't have the knowledge. You know, so they never really start. They just never start yeah. the process. They find reasons not to do stuff. Not to do. Versus That's focusing right. on my not-to-do list. <laughs> they keep, threatening, keep threatening on that not-to-do <laughs> list. So we'll come back. I'll give you a little more detail on my not-to-do list when we come back. And we'll also talk about uh, buying companies that, that, that need some help in terms of turning them around to get them back, back profitable again. So stay tuned. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners. We are business coaches, as you surmise by now, and we can help you get unstuck from a state of how. Stay tuned for more Dirty Secrets of Small Business on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online at wintradio.com. One, two, three, five! Welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners, MVP. We're business coaches, and we help people get unstuck from a state of how. And our how question today is, how do I buy a business? And again, we're focusing on our market here, which is uh, 1 to 25 employees in terms of size of companies. And those typically are companies that are going to be anywhere from a few hundred thousand to a couple million dollars in sales. And how do you go about buying one of those? How do you go about finding one of those, which we've talked about a little bit? But also, how do you go about then buying one of those? And so we're going to talk about a little bit today, Jack referenced the, the, the idea of, hey, if you got to find a company that's, that's a, in a turnaround situation, you know, how do you go about doing that and, and buying it right? So... You know, the first company I bought, small business, a company was being foreclosed on by the Internal Revenue Service. How's that? Those are terrorists, aren't they? They are terrorists. <laughs> they can be sometimes. <laughs> they're terrorists. They're, they're bigger terrorists than, than most people who uh, basically are called terrorists. They're called IRS and other kind of things. But uh, this company had been run by uh, a man who was in his 80s. And he had some very successful years. His health turned sour, and he uh, he got so bad that he had to turn the company over to his wife to run, and she couldn't do it. And she was 81 years old, thrust into running a small business. And this was small, seven employees. And basically, the, the company had been out of control for the better part of a year, and it was still generating revenue. It was still, there were no financial statements. There were nothing that you would normally see. But I was able to buy it uh, with a ridiculously low price offered to the IRS who just wanted to get rid of it. They were going to shut it down and, and auction it off. And I was able to fix it up and sell it. And I didn't have to pay much more than a couple thousand dollars for this. 
which I got that money back the first day in a very interesting story, which we won't get into today. But uh, the point is, the company, you know, I could see and and identify opportunities without even knowing the product and was able to uh, pull it together quickly. And within 90 days, the company was, was starting to shoot some nice profits out. And uh, it's a good success story. So well, a couple of years later. I, say, I, know, I know the story very well. I've heard it many times. I can probably tell it in almost <laughs> as much detail as Jack does. I've heard it so many times. It's because it's, it's a great story. But there's a couple of things that... That, that jump out that kind of tie into what, we, what we've been what we've been discussing here so far today, Jack, and that is, it's an existing company, and so as you paint the story there, we had this, you know, the, 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 his wife who was, who was in her eighties, had not been in business. Not my ever. wife, the no, owner's no, wife. Sorry, the owner's wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, Al's not in her eighties yet. She's much younger. Um, the, the 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 owner's wife who had no business experience was thrust into the into that seat. Yeah, the company kept on running. Now maybe they're missing some taxes or what have you, but. The company was still operating. They still had seven employees. Things were still kind of going on. One of the things that, that caught your eye when you were there visiting was the UPS guy coming. That's right. He's delivering packages, dropping off you know more stuff, picking up to, to be able to. There's to always there's always something in a situation like this. There's always something that says, "Hey, business is being done, and that's a good thing." Now, how much do I want to pay for it? That's right. the next thing. So yeah, but the idea, you know, this case it was maybe you know the company had been around for almost forty years, so you had four decades of momentum carrying it to kind of start. And so again, it's hard for a company to to just go go out of business and and go to zero. And again, coming back to our discussion way back at the beginning of, uh, of our that's program, right. Jack, about starting versus you know buying something that, that's already there. Once it started, there's momentum going. There's things that happen. People call in. That, you know, stuff shows up. For a company that, that that has been in existence for a while like that, versus starting from scratch where nobody knows about you, the phone's not ringing, emails aren't coming, people aren't walking. Huge the door. contrast. Very, very huge contrast. So, so the risk. Oh of, wait, so it comes back to would you take it too? Yeah, you were asking say, that. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so the risk of a couple thousand dollars to try this and and some of your time, it's a pretty low risk from that standpoint. Right? If you buy it right, yeah. like we also said, and that's that's one of the things that that's on my on my not to do list, which is don't buy it wrong. Which oh, is, which well, is saying, bring, yeah, saying well, buying it, you know, buying it right. So what does what does buying it wrong look like? It looks like paying too much for it, or putting too much money down at, at the beginning if, if if you're buying it wrong. Both in price and terms, you're 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 paying too much for it. You get emotionally attached, or you don't want to tender an offer that uh, the owner might perceive as being. Uh, Insulting, yeah, that's one of the craziest things I've ever heard. But it, it's done. Are you looking awful. at my list over here, Jack? Nope. Did you have that one uh, too? It's another my my uh, not to do list. Okay, so <laughs> don't worry about offending the seller. Okay, so don't do that. Don't wor- don't worry about offending the seller. Oh wait, why don't I may just make a fair offer? Uh oh, you can't bring that. You can't <laughs> you use that, that word. word in there. You can't use that <laughs> word. <laughs> that word's off limits for you, Jack. That word is one of the worst so, words so, <laughs> in so negotiation making, that exists. When you're making an offer, because keep in mind, usually what happens is when the seller has an asking price, most often they cannot defend that selling price That's in right. terms of why they're asking for it. It might be because, hey, this is what I think I, you know, this is the price that I need to, to, to sell it and walk away and retire. This is how much I feel I've invested in the company. This is what I owe. Whatever. There's often different reasons why they're they're putting that price on there. How you go about valuing it and putting your value on it could be very, very different. So don't worry about offending the seller. Yeah, it comes down to your the company that you see is worth X to you, and that's it. And advance it, and that's worth X because you've studied it, you've studied the company, the opportunities, weighed your your 
skill level against this and a price you're willing to pay, and that's it. That's right. So if it's if it's miles apart, don't worry about it. Especially if the the seller can't convince you, and he he isn't going to, or she isn't going try, to. Try to make an analogy here for folks. Maybe they're, they're they're more familiar with buying and selling of houses as opposed to maybe buying and selling companies, Jack. And if you ever ha- had a house in the market, and all of a sudden it's crickets out there, no, you know, th- there's nobody responding to you. When you get an offer, I don't care how good or bad that offer looks, there's excitement there. Hey, somebody wants what I've got to offer, right? That's right. So you have no idea how long this seller has been looking to sell the company, been thinking about selling the company. You have no idea how many offers they've received or haven't received yet. So put your offer out there. Put your offer out there. And That's it, right. As long as you're able to explain it, here's how I valued the company, you can explain it, what's going on. That's a very, very important thing to be able to do. Now, very closely tied into that, this is another item on my not-to-do list, Jack, which is don't spend too much time up front. Okay, so usually when you go into a company, now this didn't happen with the company that, that you're mentioning, Jack, which is usually there's a package of some type and kind or you can get some information. I know you didn't have really much at all other than that penciled out uh, list of uh, assets and inventory, right? That's but, right. Yeah, no, uh, yes, yes. So usually very, there's some very, sort very of... Very little. Usually there's some sort of a package that includes maybe some financial statements or something that kind of shows you kind of what they've got. What we advise people to do is to take that at face value. Assume that what the, the, the seller is telling you is accurate and correct. That's correct. So start there. Don't spend untold hours or weeks digging in, doing diligence, spending all this time and effort, because what happens is you as the buyer become involved. You become emotional. It's kind of like the whole idea of being half pregnant. It doesn't work that way. The seller is already involved. It's their company. Well, that's what my CPA or lawyer told me to do. How can I talk intelligently about my company without knowing what exists? So Again, i, I got to study it. That's right. It's that's the timing that you, <laughs> you put in that effort that we're talking about. A couple things. We encourage you to put all kinds of time before you, before you, you write a check in, put money in, before you sign documents, okay? But to get the point is to get to the point where you can make a non-binding letter of intent and get that company off the market so other folks aren't also looking at it. So you have that time, whether it be 45, 60, 90 days, to do your proper diligence. That diligence is important, but the question of your point, Jack, is when do you do it? You don't do it right now before it's yours. So that's another thing is don't spend too much time up front. That's a big deal. You're right. And two more things, and then we'll, we'll have to end our show, unfortunately, here. But... Uh, don't wait too long to make an offer. And that kind of ties in very closely to that, which is again, people will drag it out for weeks or months. Get there, get what they've got, and be relatively quick in making an offer. And now the first one is always the hardest to do because it's the first time you're doing it. But get the offer out. Once you get a first offer out, making a second offer to somebody else or somebody else, it becomes a little bit easier because you have a sense of what it's like. Yep, that's become, right. Become a little more swashbuckling. Swashbuckling, I like that I word. I know you like that word. That's right? a good one. All right. And then last but not least, in terms of my not-to-do list, is do not tap all of your available resources to, to do your first deal. Like empty my bank account and... And borrow from friends, family, whatever else. Don't, don't tap everything because it's going to put too much pressure on you to make this thing happen. That's right. No, well, that's what buying it right is all about. That's right. right? Yeah. That's, These that's all kind of tie together, but it's yeah. a couple points I wanted to kind of bring up to make sure people were aware of those things. But you well, can buy a company. Those are, those are good points, Adam. Thanks, Jack. Those are very good points. <laughs> and All anyone right. can get one now. We, we tend to get a little snooty uh, in terms of uh, the offers provided to us. So if one says, hey, would, they, would you take this if they gave it to you? Unless it's, it's some 
huge EPA problem and, and legalities up the wazoo, of course I would. So structure the offer accordingly. Don't right. be so picky about what you want. That's the right, deal Jack. is what you're after. Uh, we're up against it, unfortunately, but thank you again for joining us again today. If you want to reach us and we're not in the studio, give us a call at 877-849-0670. Check us out at MaximumVP.com. Learn more dirty secrets of small business next Monday at noon. Thanks for listening on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and WINTradio.com. We'll see you guys.